What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Scurll and you are listening to Behind... No, sorry, what was it? <laughs> oh. Me and my friend Mark, we're going to stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, how's it going, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. This week, it's going to be Harris's turn to delve into a crazy topic in the history of, of uh, wrestling. Good luck. Finding a weirder one than Lex Luger's worthless funeral that we <laughs> talked about last week, which was quite quite entertaining. Um, uh, yeah, I don't really have much to talk about as far as wrestling world goes. AEW, another good show. Mike Tyson, Chris Jericho, part deux. And uh, 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 Cody challenging Jungle Boy for the TNT Championship next week. And mm-hmm. then doing open challenges uh, each and every week, which is absolutely the right way to go oh yeah that and uh and also he tweeted out today someone asked if this is just aew talent or or if it's going to be any talent and he he said any talent oh yeah absolutely so absolutely imagine that's awesome imagine the imagine when nick aldis comes out and they go to a 30 (laughs) minute time limit draw it's gonna be awesome it would be amazing that would be oh. so good. All this versus Cody round three. Yeah. Would Just love unannounced it. Rand. Oh man, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm down 100%. But... Whenever you sign, whenever they sign Zack Ryder and Russo, that's how they're going <laughs> to debut. It's going to be great. I dude, open challenges when they're done well are one of my favorite things in if, wrestling. If there's, and... if there's a credible enough person who's doing it, that's and what Cody's makes perfect. The... Oh, he's, he, yeah, he's, he's the perfect wrestler to have an open challenge because his wrestling style morphs with everybody mm-hmm. and he's just that good. And he's such a big star. He's immediately going to make everyone else bigger. He's already been doing that. That's all he did. The first like six months of AEW was just right. wrestle these younger guys and get him over Darby jungle boy, all the, all these guys he's uh, MJF. I mean, that's basically what he started <laughs> doing. And so right. that's all it's going to be, and it's just going to grow all these people even more. So, yeah, it's a complete win-win, and it's going to be awesome. Well, it's going to be awesome until inevitably Alberto Del Rio comes out and wins <laughs> it from him for no reason. Except that's, for the fact I that he got arrested again for beating up I his know. wife. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's bad to admit, but that really made me laugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, it's, just, man. it's just one of those uh, – you're just like a uh, – uh, here we go again. Yeah. Okay. So I, I actually did watch most of Dynamite this week. I think I'm slowly getting back into watching wrestling. I don't. That's the a other weird great thing, to admit, thing of course, since is WrestleMania. freaking FTR made the introduction of a lifetime. Dude, blew the roof I off almost, of everything. It was awesome. I almost missed it because I had it like pulled up, right? And then I saw that, what was it, Butcher and Blade? Like. Yeah, attacking they, them to end the match. Yeah, because Matt Hardy, or Matt Hardy, uh, Matt Jackson, super kicked. I think Blade in the face because they're all right. sitting at ringside, which is an awesome dynamic. Because then yeah, a wrestler hits someone by accident, and immediately it's just like feud. 
And uh, yeah. so so they came in to beat him up after the match, and then here come the Revival with the big swerve. Well, so, like, I saw Butcher and Blade come running in, and I was like, oh, okay, so that's the segment. They're going to schmoz and then go to commercial, whatever. And then I looked away, like, I went to go do something else. And then I came back on, and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Where'd they come from? Like, I wasn't expecting them to debut this soon. Yeah. That's really what it was. That's exciting for sure. Feels weird, like really surreal, yeah. especially because they can't call themselves the revival. So like anybody's new gimmick feels a little like dollar store just because we're not used to this new brand yet. But that's not their fault. It'll I love cool. the FTR, how they haven't said like it's just FTR and it could be like six things. Yeah, like, it's like FTR stands for literally like four different things. Yeah. And I, I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And also, first I'm, time ever, them and Young Bucks, ever. Yeah, I know. After it's feuding really cool. on Twitter for three years. For years. <laughs> they they had never even met before until, I'm sure, whenever they signed or whatever. They had never mm-hmm. even met and uh, now in the ring for the first time. So was, That's so wild. That doesn't happen a lot in wrestling And they, days, they do the big like. confusing angle where they actually just beat up Butcher and Blade and then just ignore the young bucks and it's like mm, that was good man, that's it was a, good that's great just build so, it up man just build yeah. it up okay the last thing i want to comment on on this show is uh chris jericho's pretty good at what he does i don't know if you noticed that He's uh okay. the inner circle is just delightful yes they and are. i love they are the perfect example of how like it doesn't matter if a heel loses a big match mm-hmm. because they just show up the next day and act like they and, didn't and, well, they're just completely insufferable still. Yep. And it was even funnier because they're like, yeah, man, this is uh, this is really hard. We're pretty banged up. You know, we're down and out. And we had all these T-shirts made <laughs> <laughs> anticipating we were going to win. I don't know how we're going to unload all those. That was that was just brilliant. That was just as brilliant as them coming out in the football jerseys was them being like, huh? Yeah. I don't know how we're going to get rid of all these extra T-shirts, wink, wink. And Pro Wrestling Tees is like, oh, we'll sell them at a discount. Like, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And they have this whole, like, you know, ceremony to end the show. And Jake Hager wrote a poem. It's just. <laughs> and then just goes off the rails getting angry while reading yes! it. That was oh, so good. They're the perfect heels. They are the perfect they really are. heels. And this is where I, I even say they're, that this works better than even certain aspects of like the nwo because they're still heels Mm -hmm. you don't want to cheer them ever no but you love to watch them and you really want to see them get beat up every one of them you have to be a little lame to be a heel like that's part of your job you have to be a little pathetic yes yes 100%. 100%. And they're they're able to capture that while still seeming, da- you know, dangerous at the same yes. time. And, and Chris Jericho is just a madman and he can just stare down Mike Tyson and be like, I will knock you out right now, Mike Tyson. <laughs> I'll kill you. Let's fight. Put your shirt back on. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's going to be great. So when that inevitable match happens and is a complete disappointment, at least the buildup yeah. is going to be a lot of fun. So. 
Yeah. Hopefully they're smart and they do some sort of tag team thing. That that's the smart yeah, move with these type to, of things. Like you a know. WrestleMania one sort of right, event. Right. They have to do that. Although yeah. I'm not sure who you would put with Tyson right now because they haven't built anyone up yet. So right. they haven't really introduced anything. Like I want to see Henry so. Cejudo fight Sammy Guevara. That's what I really <laughs> want to see because he came out and I was not expecting that at all. But like he's yeah. way bigger name and more. Victor Belfort guess, came out too. Yeah. What? I don't know. What are these people doing? Oh, it's great. It's so weird to see like a relevant mixed martial arts fighter yeah. thrown into a wrestling angle. Like Ron. Okay. Rhonda was the exception. Like sure. she was, sure. but her career was over at that point and right. she got lit up prior to that. Henry Cejudo was just like, I'm done. Yeah, I'm, I'm bored. I've been doing this my whole life. I'm going to stop. And yeah. then showed up a week later on dynamite. That's pretty cool. I don't think it'll go anywhere. I think he was just hanging out, but boy, that would be fun. I I agree. I agree. Uh, every, everything's fun right now in AEW. Everything's set up for fun, and that's and they keep delivering. They're so like again after one show, they just had their big pay per view, the big kind of conclusion of all these storylines, and now we immediately have at least four outstanding storylines the next week, already set up. With Cody and the TNT Championship, with Mike Tyson and Chris Jericho, with the uh, the the revival coming in, I mean, immediately you have all these interesting things already starting, and then Mo- and then Moxley and Brian Cage, that that looks like that's gonna be a freaking barn burner when they finally wrestle. They had Britt Baker come out in a wheelchair. Yeah. Calling herself the role model. Well, she's been calling herself the role model. <laughs> no, but the role model. But she model. put it on the chair. It rolls. And it was it, great. It's a wheelchair. That's yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still not – I still don't think Britt Baker is quite there yet. Um, like I liked her uh, pre-recorded Dr. Vignettes a lot. Those were fantastic, what she's been – she had been doing. I feel like when, it, when she does live promos – Sometimes they drag, and, and mm-hmm. she just doesn't – I don't know. Uh, like, I like her, and I think she's getting a lot better, but I think people are a little bit too high on her right now, maybe because of just how bad she was before. Mm-hmm. And it's like people love this promo, and I was like, it was really good, and then it just kind of kept going, and I don't feel like she quite has the charisma yet to keep yeah. it going as long as it went. It was a good idea and started off pretty <laughs> good. The wheelchair was the highlight by far. That was fantastic. Right. They just had me at role model. And then you have like Zack Ryder is just openly tweeting at AEW constantly now. Yeah. Yeah. And he said he was like, he was like, be careful in the wheelchair. Bad things happen. (laughs) (laughs) That was incredible. So, okay. If we, um, the only other thing I have to talk about if we're done with dynamite is. Yeah. I'm done with, with any current. Okay. This week on SmackDown, I actually, I didn't see this happen. But I found the video of it on Twitter later, which is why I'm bringing it up. They had – so Bailey and Sasha are feuding with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross now so. and potentially going after the uh, women's tag titles. So you could have, you know, Bailey two belts with the women's title and the SmackDown women's title. And she'd probably do something where she holds all three at once and Sasha Banks is still left with nothing. But in the buildup to that, they have Sasha wrestle Alexa Bliss. Fine. Good match. Bailey's on commentary, which is good because she's good for like a lot of, you know, really dumb one liners now. She's got this diluted soccer mom thing going on. But they also put Nikki Cross on commentary. And it's just I retweeted this video. Look, 
you can find it. I'll, I'll retweet it with the podcast account after this. It's just five uninterrupted minutes of Nikki Cross losing her mind. And Bailey and Corey Graves are trying to be like cool and aloof, but they just keep getting mad and like distracted. They barely call the match at all. It's just Nikki running her mouth in this insane Scottish brogue while Bailey is like trying to maintain her composure as this cool, like above it all heel and just failing miserably and getting more and more angry as the match goes on. It's great. The match is fine, but the, the banter between Nikki and Bailey is just incredible. At one point, you know, cause she's, she's cheering on Alexa bliss the entire match and, and Michael Cole can't like, he just keeps breaking character cause he can't stop laughing. It's delightful. I, I that's it. It's, you know, I don't know if the angle will be fine. The match will be fine. But Nikki and Bailey on commentary is legitimately like one of the best things I've seen in wrestling this week. Okay. Everyone should watch it. Yeah, fair enough. That's it. That's it. Oh, at one point, you know, Alexa has the upper hand and Michael Cole says, Bailey, maybe you should try cheering your friend on like Nikki is. And Bailey says, I am in my heart. Hmm. And then they just keep going. It's it's very good. That's all. That's that's the only wrestling thing I watched in WWE this week. But it was good. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, all right. So now it's time to move on to the actual show. So Harris, you're the uh, the microphone is yours. Oh boy. So have at it. Okay. So so nothing's going on with David Arquette. Uh no, nothing's really going okay. on much with much with anything. <laughs> so. That's that, yeah. that's fair. It's a fair question, though. Fair, mm. fair question, but no. <laughs> okay, so I'll be honest. I wasn't able to find anything more pointless than what we did last week. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't top that. This is a uh, that was a unique episode in in behind the gorilla lore. I think this is a story that is a little bit more typical. It's it's a mid card guy kind of trying to find his voice. It's a colorful gimmick gone horribly horribly wrong and it it's actually a lot of fun to watch so we're talking about the the debut and initial run of a man named paul burchell Um, oh boy when he was signed to wwe his wrestling name he changed his name to paul burchell it's spelled differently but it's the same name and you get the impression it's not so much one of those wwe like trademark things as it is just wanting your name to look a little cooler, like Dave Batista versus Batista and how they spell it. It's just a little tweak. Sure. Um, he reminds me a lot, honestly, of Batista, just in the sense that, you know, when he's first called up, this is in like 2000, late 2005, he makes his debut. And this is a, this is a super interesting time because like they didn't have NXT to really iron out gimmicks or characters they had ovw and he spent a few years in ovw before he got called up to the main roster but it's mostly just like okay we're gonna give you a package when you're called up like on smackdown you're just gonna figure out who you are instead of having it figured out for you in nxt by the time you get called up if that makes sense so well yeah because i mean you hear about it all the time like even back in like fcw or ovw these people developed characters and then immediately were scrapped when they yep. would come up to the, to the WWE. And that yeah. was just the way everything was done. I mean, and a lot of times that was a good thing. You know, I don't know sure. how well Batista's Leviathan would have, 
you know, been in, uh, you know, him being the gatekeeper of hell. I don't know how well that character <laughs> would have played. Or, you know, John Cena as the prototype. Not sure how well that character would have played. You know, so... Yeah. But then you get a story, like, I just listened to Lance Archer on Chris Jericho's podcast, and mm-hmm. he basically had a similar character to, to what he has now when he was down at FCW. Not quite, but it was similar. He had long hair, big beard, was this monster-type character, and was the champion down there, and all this stuff. And then he comes up to WWE to debut on ECW, and they just immediately shave his head, shave his beard, and are like, here you go. And he's like, well, now I have nothing. You have to go out there and, you know, do it. And you hear that about Gregory Helms is another great example of that. He's Shane Helms. Sugar Shane Helms in WCW, the Cruiserweight champion. He already had success with three counts and now is on his own, is the champ. All this stuff has the vertebraker, an awesome finishing move, and something with his music. His music is cool and all this stuff. Comes to WWE, they're like, uh, yeah. So he's about to debut, I don't know, an hour or something before they go on the show. And they're like, yeah, um, you can't use Shane because, you know, we have a Shane. <laughs> and he's like, no one's going to confuse me with Shane McMahon. They're like, yeah, we already got a Shane. So you can't be Shane. Uh, yeah, the Vertebreaker's a band move here, so you can't use that either. And uh, your music, yeah, we can't use that because of some other reason. So he's like, so right off the bat, 30 minutes before I debut, I lost my name, my gimmick, my finish, and my music. Yep. Immediately. But go out there and grab that brass ring. Right. You know, the other person, and this I'll get into a little bit, Paul Birchall reminds me of him a little bit, is Drew McIntyre. He has a similar story because right after he got signed and he was about to debut, like that night, they were like, oh, what name have you been, like, your name's Drew Galloway, but like, what's your real, like your ring name? And he was like, oh, I've just been wrestling as Drew Galloway. And they were like, but that's your birth name? He's like, yeah. And they're like, okay, well, we can't do that. You got to pick a new name. So he was back there with someone else, like Googling Scottish last names, <laughs> trying to find one that he liked. And that's how he ended up being Drew yeah. McIntyre. That's a real thing that happened. So, and then it amazes me how John Cena and the Hardys and, and these other people somehow got through the whole thing using their real name. Yeah. Well, it, it's like clearly they went through a phase, I think, in the early 2000s where they didn't mind letting you do that too yeah. much. Yeah. And it's gotten worse now. But, you know, so like Dave Batista spelled differently, but still Batista. Batista's right. Batista. John Cena's John Cena. Same thing here. Paul Burchill is Randy Paul Orton. Burchill. Yeah, exactly. So like that's clearly a, a thing that happened. Brock Lesnar, you know. They really didn't – man, imagine how much Kurt Axel could have benefited from just using Hennig as his last name, you know, being yeah. his real name. How much better that would have been than Michael McGillicuddy. <laughs> that gave us that we are we are way off in the weeds now but that gave us one of the greatest promos of all time with the genesis of mcgillicuddy look that up that's one of the best things totally that's ever forgot happened about that I completely oh i forgot that. about that yeah wwe man i'm telling you vince this perfect combination of the smartest man in the world and also one of the stupidest people in the history of the world all in one human being oh remember remember that you said that because it's going to come in handy oh perfect perfect Uh, although to be fair i feel like that comes in handy every other week Mm, pretty much yeah so (laughs) you know so paul Burchill is in this spot of like okay you're getting called up and you're gonna have to figure out something to stick right like john cena 
famously almost got cut because he just didn't have any real like he's got natural charisma, but he didn't have a gimmick or like a way to channel his charisma that worked at all. Until he found the rapper thing and then that stuck with the crowd and he was able to sort of lean into that and then yeah. pivot away from it and just become John Cena, like the superstar. You know what I mean? Like right. there's an art to finding something that works for you, getting it over and then just letting yourself be a little bit more than just a 2D like early 90s cartoon wrestler. Which is the reason why Roman Reigns never got to where they wanted him to be because they didn't let him do that. Yep. Yep. Exactly. But at least he had like, you know, they were pushing him. Right. Paul Burchill's on his own. He gets called up. He, he makes his debut on a show called Velocity, which I get the impression is a lot like main event. It's just, it is. You know, it was like, like a, a lower show recorded yeah. before SmackDown. Yeah. So he comes he, he makes a run in and he's he's supporting William Regal in a match with Scotty Too Hottie, which is a very Velocity sounding match, you know, yes, and it's, it it's he's he's like the heater for William Regal and. They form a tag team um, because they're both British. Now, that's not the most original thing in the world, but like – At least it's something. I don't know. Right, exactly. It's it's better than nothing. And he plays well off of Regal because Regal is you know this hoity-toity, uppity British aristocrat. William and Regal he's, is you know, amazing. Oh, he's – dude, we're going to talk about that a lot in this oh, episode. Oh, so good, he's, good, good. He's a dirty fighter, and he'll cheat to win, and he's tough, but he's also just so posh and over the top, and it's a great And he's so conceited. Yes. And, uh, and Paul Burchill, when he debuts, like, they clearly don't have anything figured out for him yet. They just have one phrase, and you can tell, like, they have a phrase that somebody pitched, and they wrote it down. Because they use it multiple times in his SmackDown debut. So he makes the run in on Velocity. The next week, he's on SmackDown. They have a tag match. You know, it's him and William Regal. And they're fighting Scotty Tuhati and somebody else. And the, the phrase they keep using is, oh, he's a hooligan who likes to pick fights. They use that phrase multiple times. So it's clearly wow. meant to be That's like, a great all right. One. Yeah, yeah. Like we have William Regal, who's like this uppity British guy, and then we have Paul Burchill, who's just a proper lad. You know, he's just this crazy, not like you know British Steve Austin is kind of what they're thinking. Like he drinks beer and he or like likes Wade Barrett and likes to get in fights. Yes, exactly. Like a proto Wade Barrett. He basically was way Wade Barrett. Yeah, pretty much. They're pretty well, much like, the same know. type of gimmick before the bad news thing and before something else. Yeah, so they. They have, you know, they they get the win in the tag team match, and he's got this pretty cool little finishing move where he's got a submission finisher called the Royal Mutilation, which is like a shoulder crank. That's a great name. That's a great name. It's a great name, and it's really cool, too, because you know how, you know, wrestling is a video game. So you have your signature move, which then powers up your finisher. So you hit your signature, and then you hit your finisher, and then you win, right? His signature move is a shoulder breaker. So he'll pick you up, like crash down on top of your shoulder, and then lock in his royal mutilation, which is cranking on that same shoulder. So you tap out. It's a cool little one-two punch. Nice little bit of psychology. So we've got this guy like a cool move set, not really developed, but like interesting idea. And then he's got William Regal to play off of. And for a few months, they're just kind of plugging along in the undercard. It's a lot of velocity matches, like low-level, you know, SmackDown matches. 
when it's, you know, when, when they're a tag team, they kind of play off of one another. When he has singles matches, he's got William Regal there as his manager and his heater, you know, kind of helping him cheat to win occasionally, things like that. So it's been a few months now. And it's February of 2006. He got called up sometime back in August. So it's been almost half a year. And they decide, okay, it's time uh, for the singles run. We, we've taken this pairing, you know, about as far as we can. So naturally, you would think there has to be some sort of betrayal, some sort of double cross, some some like barbershop window moment, right, to trigger a feud between these two people. Right. Um. No, what actually happens is they – the two of them just go to uh, Palmer Cannon, who is in kayfabe like the executive representative, like the network representative on SmackDown. It's this weird like not even the GM because Teddy Long's the GM, but there's this random meathead who like represents the network that okay. controls some things. They go to him, and they're just like, hey, we kind of want to stop being a tag team. We kind of just want to do our own thing. Woo. And he just he just let money money folks money angle. This is a like weirdly basic human touch, but it makes a lot of sense. Like they're just sure. Why wouldn't they just break up but remain friends? Like if you want to be a singles wrestler, you don't have to kick your partner in the face. They they were only together because they were both British in the first place. So why not just be like, hey, we're just we're just going to do our own thing for a while. And the guy says, oh, well, OK, um, that's of, of course. So William Regal, I know you, you know, I, I understand you, you know, you, your ancestry can be traced back to British nobility. That's that's a big part of who you are. I get that. Um, Paul Burchell, what what do you like? What are you thinking as a singles wrestler? Like, what do you have in mind? What can you trace your ancestry back to? Paul Burchill looks at him and says, pirates. That's right. It turns out <laughs> it turns out that Paul Burchill's mom's cousin's great, 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 great grandfather was actually the lieutenant. I mean, how many for black? I, it was a lot. He kind of loses track. I don't, so I don't, I, didn't, I don't think that checks out. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It might have been too many. I don't know. He doesn't really seem to have a super clear idea either, to be fair. Well, that's that's fair. I was like, Blackbeard was what? Um, the late 1800s? Something like that? I think 17. Oh, is it but 1700s? Still, yeah. Okay, well, then maybe that's enough grades. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. He doesn't teach you a lot about pirate history in this angle. And I didn't oh, do that kind man. of research. Sorry. I didn't look up whether or not this claim is true. I apologize that's to the stink. listeners at home. I'm disappointed, Harris, because I love pirate history, and I was all excited about learning about his background with pirates, and <laughs> I was super excited. You just made me very disappointed. I'm sorry. But at any rate, so you know, while William Regal can trace his ancestry all the way back to British nobility, Paul Burchill proudly states that he can trace his ancestry back to Blackbeard the Pirate. His, his, his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was the lieutenant for Blackbeard the Pirate. That's such a cool thing, though, man. Imagine if that was true and you could trace that your lineage be... back to that. That'd be so dope. I have a Blackbeard oh. headband that I that I wear. It's like the Blackbeard flag because huh. he has a very specific flag of like a standing, yeah. a yeah, standing skeleton about. with a spear yeah. and then the the, the heart hearts. on it. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. It is awesome, and it's a cool. Like it would be a really cool thing to know, and 
to make, oh, I don't know, part of your wrestling character about. Because this is what he tells. Right. We, I just want him to turn into uh, Alan Tudyk from Dodgeball. Imagine if that was his character. That'd be a great character, too. It would. But then but it's like, a, like then it's like a Festus thing, and when the bell rings, yeah. he's like a monster. I'm telling you, missed opportunity. Ah, uh, well, that's we'll have to make note of that. So he's this is what he's pitching to Palmer Cannon, this network representative. He's like, picture this, swashbuckling on SmackDown. And the guy's like, okay. And then he and William Regal shake hands, and he just walks off. And it's it's got to be like the sweetest, most amicable tag team breakup in wrestling history. And I kind of respect it. And I wish that would happen more often because a lot of times the betrayals just feel really forced. And I kind of like the idea that they can break up and just remain friends. But at any rate, he, we're done. You know, that's that's it. We've seen the team and William Regal doesn't think it's going to work like he, he kind of snickers at this idea. But the segment ends and. Paul Birchall just kind of wants to be a pirate, y'all. Hey, so, there's uh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So the next week, Palmer Cannon's being interviewed about something. I don't, I don't know anything about this guy or what I'm else. I'm sorry. Was Every time, time you say his name, I forget that that was his name, and I, for mm-hmm. a brief second, think you're saying Palmer Canyon, and I'm like, <laughs> wait, where's? Oh yeah, no, that's the name of the name of the guy. Just for a brief second, each time you. Do, Dude, I yeah, it's he's a very forgettable person, but he's being interviewed about something when he's interrupted by Paul Birchall wearing just the worst Jack Sparrow costume you can imagine. Like it's it's not even actually Jack Sparrow. It's just this weird like drunken derivative. I went to, you know, the Halloween store and bought this for $20. Mm-hmm. It's that pirate costume. Is it better got... or worse than um, uh, Aaron Stevens' pirate shirt? I It's worse because it's, like, cheaper <laughs> somehow and, like, even more over the top. Okay. He's got this, like, red so, so, beard. So better. I, I guess. <laughs> It depends on what you're going for. It's certainly like tackier and gaudier and more obnoxious. All right. So Aaron Stevens, take notes. You could have done better. (laughs) Right. So he's got, you know, and he's got the puffy shirt and the coat and this like ratty, like tangle of blonde hair and a beard and the eyeliner. And what does he say? Does he cut this incredible promo introducing himself? I hope so. I just want it to be yarg. He looks at Palmer Cannon and the camera pans to him and he says, hello. And then he walks off. That's, that's it. That's all you see. Yep. It's a slow burn on this one. Not even a, not even a yard. No, just, hello. Oh man. Cause he's, you got to remember it's 2006. He's playing a Jack Sparrow pirate. He's playing a cool pirate. Oh, please. Yeah. I don't know. Jack not a cool pirate. (laughs) If that's, if that's that's what someone thinks that character is, then I think you might be slightly mistaken. Well, let me tell you something. Paul Birchall playing Jack Sparrow, certainly not a cool pirate. That's So he that's walks fair. off. That's fair. The next week, he appears again for another backstage interview. And um, what do you think he says, Mark? I really hope he says, Yarg. He says, hello. Ugh. And no, then, not no, to I'm be getting fair, angry. 
he's he's about to say other stuff, I think, except uh, Mr. Kennedy comes along and just kind of runs him off. Yeah, he would and, do that. Yeah. And, you know, starts cutting his own promo or whatever. But this is where this angle to starts honest, to get really that's interesting. probably from he, the best. Well, I would okay, rather listen is, to Mr. Kennedy. This is where this angle starts to get really interesting because he runs him off. And then he's like, they, they get meta right away. He's like, can you believe that guy? He's talking to the interviewer. He's just like, what? Like, what an idiot. That's never going to get over. Everyone's going to laugh at that. <laughs> it's really stupid. Like, what are you doing? And Paul Burchill does what any good pirate would do in this situation. Uh, he pulls out his sword. Yes. And holds it up to Kennedy's throat. Yes. And Kennedy goes, uh, you know what? Actually, yeah, you know what? I, I think I think people will like it uh, and it will get over. And we really we really need a pirate here on SmackDown. I think that's what the show's really been needing. Oh, that 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 could not have gone any better than I could have yep. possibly hoped for. That's fantastic. And you've gotten a lot of cross here, and he's only had to say two words, and it's just one word twice. You don't need a long, rambling promo about how he's coming to get the treasure that is the WWE Championship. No, just hello, and that's, he pulls the sword out. That's it's fantastic. Great. That is great. So the next week, we see Paul Burchill backstage, and he's shaving his beard, using his sword, and he's using like a piece of broken glass as his mirror, right? <laughs> just very... The most pirate thing you've ever seen. Right. And William Regal approaches. And it's been a few weeks at this point since they broke up and shook hands and, you know, went their separate ways. No harm, no foul. But William Regal has a letter, a letter from a fan. Please tell me it's and a it's scroll. For... No, it's not. No, it's oh. just a letter because this is gentleman William Regal. He's not a pirate. He's just, you know, he's he's a well, member well, of the no, aristocracy. But, but if he had a, a letter for Virgil, I was really hoping it was. Well, it's funny you say that because that's what I thought it was. He's like, I've got a letter here I want you to read from a fan. And I thought, oh, so this will probably be a fan writing in to be like, hey, Paul Burchill, this is kind of a dumb angle. You should stop doing it. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that'll be really interesting. No, it's a letter to William Regal. And this fan, while she loves William Regal, thinks it's embarrassing that his friend and former protege, Paul Burchill, is tarnishing his reputation and by extension, William Regal's reputation by dressing up like a pirate. And she really thinks that William Regal should do something about it. And William Regal is just irate. He's, he's furious. There's a few Paul issues Burchill, with that, but sure. Go on. But he's, but it's perfect because it's not like he, he's not concerned about his friend, Paul Burchill. Right, right. He's concerned right. about his own reputation as this hoity-toity British snob. And he he begs him, he commands him to drop this stupid pirate gimmick and just be a proper gentleman again. Put a suit back on and just be a proud British fighter, you know? Even though they're not again, they're broken up. They're right. not affiliated with each other in any way. They don't have to be like going to the ring together or anything. William Regal has just gone out of his way to be like, listen, you're so stupid that it's embarrassing me by proxy because I used to be your friend. <laughs> that's all that's happening here. I also think it's funny that a female sent William Regal a fan letter. Oh, well, he goes on. I, I didn't read the letter verbatim, but he goes on to read how gorgeous she thinks he is and, you know, oh. on and on and on. Oh, oh good for good for you, William. Yeah. But Paul Burchill, again, he just kind of calmly, you know, looks on, uh, doesn't say anything, and hands him a little black ball. 
And no sooner can William Regal say, what is this? Is this is this a bomb? And Paul Birchall bends over, <laughs> strikes a match, and lights the fuse to what is, in fact, just literally a bomb. Like a black round bomb with a string on the top. Like Batman 66, that kind of bomb. <sighs> and it's... Uh, so... Th- it doesn't blow up, unfortunately, like oh. a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah, that's kind of what I was hoping. It's a dud. It's like one of those Joker guns that says bang. It just it just goes out. Oh. And William Regal is shook. But Paul Burchill <laughs> just kind of laughs at him, you know, and walks away. And I'm not going to lie. I don't understand how I've never heard of this angle before. Oh, dude, it's wild. I, I knew about it, but I didn't know quite how meta it would get. Yeah. Like. Okay, my only real complaint about this angle, and it's not, we'll get to more later, but like the execution of this angle, it's on SmackDown, which means there's no Jerry and there's no JR. It's Michael Cole and Taz, which is fine. Like they weren't a bad commentary no, team. No, I, but in I terms really of, like Michael Cole and Taz. I think they're very, they were very underrated commentary team. But, but in terms of reacting to something like this, they don't give you as many quotes as somebody like Jerry or JR would. That's, sure, that's but my it's only also, main problem. Part of it's funnier because they both will just be like, this is so stupid. <laughs> well, okay. Taz immediately makes a great point. They cut back to commentary and Taz is like, listen, I got to be honest. I don't understand why William Regal's so upset about this because like – I mean, he doesn't say this, but he's basically like, we've had so much stupid stuff in wrestling. Like, a pirate <laughs> is not that weird. Taz right. is like, we literally have a guy, we we have the literal boogeyman on SmackDown <laughs> right now. And uh, what Which, year was this? This is 2006. Yeah. Early so 2006. Wait, when was it? 2004 or five was when we had Tori Wilson's father coming out and trying to cut promos in the ring and Taz and Michael Cole actively mocking him while the promos were going on on the oh, air. Oh yeah. I forgot about which that. is still one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Cause I don't think I've ever seen that ever in wrestling, not to that degree. And, uh, so yeah, we've had, I think, yeah, we've had some pretty dumb stuff happen on uh, this show in the past few years. So right. I don't blame Taz. Yeah. So, we come back the next week. We're doing a real slow burn with this. And Regal is trying again with all the same talking points. You know, you look like a fool. You're embarrassing yourself. All these people. You, the exact quote is you go out there next week dressed as a bloody buccaneer and all these people are going to laugh at you. He's it's great. Got to throw like in prime. that alliteration there. Got to throw buccaneer. in. Oh, it's it's phenomenal. And That's William good. Regal is so good at this. Yeah. Just this incensed British twat. It's beautiful. He doesn't bring the bomb up, which is a little weird, but all he says is, you know, this is a stupid gimmick. Everyone's going to laugh at you. This is a bad idea. But Paul Burchill's not scared, and he kind of cuts a little bit of a promo. It's It's nothing too crazy. All he does is he points out, you know, he's not scared. He's got his first match next week, and not only is he going to go out there and have his first match, but if he has his way, it's going to be against William Regal. Uh Oh. So... What I just want to pause for a second and say, I love the way that they've done this because the pirate gimmick is obviously stupid. And instead of trotting him out there with this pirate gimmick and just playing it straight, they just went meta with it immediately. So the story is not, hey, look at this weird man who thinks he's a pirate, which when I heard about this story, this is what I thought it was. And this is what like I started doing my research expecting. 
But the entire story is this guy likes to dress up as a pirate and all of the heels hate him for it. And it's immediately <laughs> like it works. Yeah. You've shifted the dynamic immediately. So it's just this hoity toity William Regal who can't stand the fact that this guy's having a little bit of fun. And like that's the dynamic that they have. So it, it, it's already they, – they've spent the last few weeks saying, hey, why are you dressed up as a pirate? That's kind of stupid. It's not going to get over. The crowd's going to laugh at you. Right. The best thing you can do in wrestling is tell fans like they can't cheer for somebody. That's a, when he that's comes a good out, point. When he comes out the next week on SmackDown, he is over. It's not a monster <laughs> pop, but it's a pop. They got people to cheer a pirate man in 2006. Hey, man, we're wrestling fans. We will cheer a pirate man every time. Especially when he's going up against somebody as talented as William Regal and as hateable as William Regal, who's pretentious and buttoned up and doesn't want anybody to have any fun. It's great. So Mm -hmm. William Regal makes his entrance first. He cuts another promo saying exactly the same thing. Says, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry you have to see this. It's going to be really embarrassing. But I got to beat this guy up. It's for his own good because he's just a joke and he's embarrassing me. You know, that sort of stuff. And then Paul Burchill makes his entrance. Please tell me there's some sort of pirate ship involved. There's Okay, there's not a ship. But you know how SmackDown back in the day had like this really big stage constructed around the ramp? Yeah. It's not the fist. I think we're a few years past the fist, unfortunately. But there is a big, like, stage above the ramp. Yeah, he swings down onto the ramp on a rope. Like he's yeah. swinging onto his ship. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's fantastic. And does he does he throw little trinkets of treasure out to the crowd? Please. Of course he does. Please. Does he, have, does he have the worst Pirates of the Caribbean knockoff theme song you've ever heard in your life? Absolutely he does. Good, good absolutely he does we're, we're checking every box already this is perfect. oh yeah oh yeah and the crowd i think as soon as he swings down on the rope that's when the crowd really gets into it that's when they're like oh man they're really going for it <laughs> big pop he's throwing gold coins out to the crowd and we make our way out into the ring and <sighs> he beats william regal clean as a whistle wow his finisher okay this is this is my other complaint about this character he doesn't use the submission finisher or the shoulder breaker anymore are you familiar with the move the c4 uh isn't it just like a big boot no it's a big it's a backflip is what it is it's like you it's hard to describe but like you link up with someone almost like you're about to do some sort of suplex Mm -hmm. like i don't i don't know all the technical terminology for which one it is but then what happens is Instead of like slamming them to the ground or suplexing them in one way or another, you do a complete backflip. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's and land on you, top of them. You hold them like a belly to belly, but instead of releasing them, you just flip with them. Yeah, now, right. And it's like, it's kind of it's impressive to do, but it's kind of insanely dumb because it means your opponent has to jump and flip with you, which doesn't make any sense. Because you can just you see he has to jump like in order to receive the move like it's a physically impressive move. But if you watch it like more than one time, it really doesn't work. It doesn't work as a finisher, but it's rare. And, you know, Taz is impressed with the physicality of it. It's not a great finisher, but we have a pirate man on SmackDown and he debuted and he beat William Regal clean as a whistle. Fantastic. And the weirdest thing of all, the fans love it. 
they well they like it. Maybe it's they not, don't. That's not it. weird at all. I mean, again, I, I think if they had run this a different way, if the joke had been, oh yeah, he's an actual literal pirate, then it wouldn't have worked. But the fact that they just drew that line and had people like make fun of him for it week after week after week before he debuted, so you know that they're in on the joke. And the wrestling storyline in kayfabe is, wow, isn't this a silly thing this guy's doing? Really, really is what makes it work. So the next week he gets an even bigger pop. It's a mixed tag match this time. It's him and it's Regal and they each have a diva on their team. I I don't remember who they are. Doesn't really matter. No. He gets the pinfall again using a finisher, which he's – they're calling this finisher the walk the plank, which – isn't eh. uh, yeah that's pretty weak right like yeah. that's not even a good pirate finisher it, I could that's think of, not great yeah and it doesn't like if here's the thing if he was going to do old school and like grab the guy's hand and get up on the rope that's what i was like, thinking walk the play yeah that's what i was thinking too i was like okay maybe if like you walked across the top rope or something it would make sense but no yeah so like th- this is kind of the cracks are showing maybe a little bit there's one or two things that aren't firing on all cylinders. But the most important thing is the crowd is into this guy. You have like a hot lower level baby face with this colorful gimmick that fans like and are responding to. There's a guy in the front row with a sign that just says angry pirate in all caps, which is pretty great. Nice. Not the most creative sign in the world, but it gets the point. I enjoyed it. So as, and as the weeks go by, they kind of just keep playing the hits with Birchall and Regal and Regal is literally begging him to stop dressing like a pirate because it's embarrassing. It's silly. Nobody's going to appreciate this long-term, you know? And Paul Burchill finally just kind of breaks character a little bit. And he's like, okay, one, I'm doing this to honor my ancestors, man. I know I'm not a pirate. Two, I'm having fun. I get to wear a sweet coat. I can carry a sword. I get to swing from a rope. And three, maybe most importantly, since I started doing all of this, I'm undefeated. Like, this is clearly working. I, I'm paraphrasing that is. promo. But he's on a roll. Like, yeah. why would you stop? And again, the joke works because the joke is not, hey, here's a pirate man. The joke is, hey, here's a dude who just likes to have fun and cut loose and dress up like a pirate. And William Regal can't stand that. That's over. It really works. But he says, all right. He, he makes a deal with William Regal. He says, all right, if you beat me tonight, I'll wear whatever you want me to wear. Like you brought a suit. You want me to be a gentleman like you? Fine. If you beat me tonight, I'll wear the suit. I, but, would, I would never think I would see a male-on-male wrestling match where that's the stipulation. <laughs> it, it does kind of have a diva's ring to it, yes, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes, oh. it does. So, but, you know, fair's fair. Lay down the gauntlet. If you beat me, I'll wear whatever you want me to wear to the ring. But if I beat you, you have to wear whatever I say you wear. And I could – I'm a pirate. I really need to have a buxom winch to come out here with me. There it is. Had to have that in a it, match like this. Yep. 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 So <laughs> this is – they have their Wait match Wait a minute. Did week. he really say buxom winch? Buxom winch is like the one word from this promo that I'm quoting verbatim. Okay. It's fantastic. That was clearly the, the kicking point because Michael Cole and Taz repeat it incredulously several times throughout 100%. the show. Yes. Yeah. 
it's it's really funny because we might have a man who has to dress up as a woman. It's, it's hilarious. It's really good. Um, so funny. Are you familiar with the with the the term uh, Chekhov's gun or in wrestling Chekhov stipulation? Like yes, yes, Harris. Okay, so you know if there's a gun on the stage during a play, at some point you have to fire the gun, right? That's the idea. You can't leave this idea dangling in the minds of the audience and not use it. Or in wrestling, you can't have, you know, a no holds barred match or a falls count anywhere match and not go out of the ring. Exactly. You can't have a falls count anywhere match that ends in the ring and stays in the ring the whole time, because otherwise what's the point of the stipulation, right? You can't have like a no DQ match where weapons aren't used because otherwise what's the point of the stipulation? You can't have a wrestling match where if one man wins, he has to wear a suit like a normal human being. And if the other man wins, then somebody has to dress up like a girl. You can't have one of those matches and not follow through with it. So sure enough, Paul Burchill, once again, for like the third time now, hits his finisher and pins William Regal clean as a whistle. And the crowd, again, they're not going crazy, but like they pop because they like that. And Michael Cole and Taz are just in conniptions and, ah, he's going to have to be a buxom winch. That's so funny. And there's somebody in the crowd with a sign that says Burchill gets the booty, which is very good. I'm a that, fan of the that, pirate signs. That's a good one. P- pirate puns are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, they get better, too. Oh, so perfect. he wins the match again. And the next week we have the debut of Lady Regal. And again, like th- this is the thing. This is not like a good or a clever or a particularly funny idea. But William Regal knocks it out of the park it's perfect like you see paul birchall swaggering around backstage and then he opens the door and he sees william regal but you don't you just hear william regal talking so you don't see him until he actually you know comes out in a few more minutes but he's just cutting the most like indignant british person promo you can even imagine you know i can't believe you bloody made me do this i'm a serious competitor you know these knickers are cutting off my circulation and just on and on and on and on so not only does he get his own entrance after Paul Burchill makes his way to the ring, but he has oh, to you try got you got to have have your own entrance for this. Well, he has to try and swing down the rope and he just <laughs> botches that like he crashes to, you know, he just lands right on his face. He can't swing down the rope. He's wearing when when you first see him, Michael Cole says, "Is that Dolly Parton?" And it's accurate. Like it's the biggest yellowest hair you've ever seen. This gaudy, like multicolored, like rainbow striped dress, like something straight out of like a Renaissance festival or like the Pirates of the Caribbean ride before they updated it to match the movies. And he's got high heels on and he's got the makeup on and like he can't walk in the high heels. So he kind of staggers his way down to the ring. Perfect. It's it's incredible. And like. Paul Burchill's good, but William Regal is what makes this great. And like Paul Burchill is like sitting on the ropes, holding them open for William Regal to like stagger into the ring. And he's just furious, you know, and he's like, I'll bet you bloody like this. Don't you You think this is funny? And the crowd is just losing. It's, it's great. Like it's stupid, but it's done well. I guess that's that's the best way to describe this. And then the match right. begins because this is just like they're not fighting each other. This is just a Paul Burchill match that William Regal has to attend dressed as a woman. <laughs> and, okay, uh, refresh me. 
mm-hmm. with the stipulation? Was it like in perpetuity or is this like a one and done thing? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked because I was wondering that myself. And as the match begins, this is not addressed by any of the characters. The only things they said were, if I win, I'll dress, you know, if you win, I'll dress up how you want me to. That was all they said. As the match begins, Michael Cole says, and yeah, actually, he has to dress this way until Paul Burchill loses another match. Which Okay. Which just, right, which is so arbitrary and dumb. Hey, I disagree. I think that's a great idea because now you have way more of an incentive for him to win. Oh, I think it's a great idea, and it's good for a storytelling perspective. It's just weird that it was never explained by. And now you can have William Regal constantly trying to sabotage his matches. I that's that's exactly what they do. It's It's a a great little story. It's just funny because it screams like somebody at the writers' meeting had that idea while the show was on the air. (laughs) Or Vince saw William Regal dressed as a woman and was immediately like, we're doing this every week. Oh, of course. Like, that's what it feels like. It feels like somebody just told Michael Cole, hey, we're just going to do this until he loses a match. And they're like, all right. So they roll with it. Like, it's never explained by the people involved. And guess what? We can decide when he loses a match. Yeah, like, it's (laughs) it's never explained. But he announces that that is now the stipulation as the match begins. And... William Regal does exactly what you'd think he would do, which is after a few minutes when he thinks he has an opportunity, hops up on the apron, brass knuckles in hand, and tries to clock Paul Burchill. The only problem is they're both running into the ropes at the time, and he accidentally clocks his opponent. Paul Burchill nails his finisher again on a dude who's just been punched with brass knuckles and wins the match. Hang on. I do have a question. Why wouldn't he immediately just punch Paul Burchill? Well, he tried to, but like I, no, I think no, no, he no. was. Well, anyway, he was trying to be sneaky, I guess, yeah, but and like why wait would you for be an sneaky? opportune just, moment. Just punch him in front of the ref, and then boom, DQ. Well, presumably DQs don't count. I mean, this stipulation has been. Oh no, no, been sorry, sorry, not not, all, punch, anyway. not punch Paul, Paul Burnshaw. Why wouldn't he just punch yeah. his opponent and then get him disqualified? Right. So then he loses. I mean, presumably they hadn't figured out like the details of the stipulation yet, or at least they hadn't explained them to us. The answer has to be like, that doesn't count. That's the only thing that makes any sense, but it's, eh, well, that's fair. You know, it's sort of, I, I think it's like a title. Like you can't change hands on a DQ. You can't trigger a stipulation on a DQ. That's my guess. Sure. We're kind of getting into wrestling, uh, legality and like lawyerism at this point the real is not much strong suit the real answer is they didn't think about it and therefore are not going to address it that that, that's the proper answer right again i'm working under the assumption that like they just decided this was going to be the story like 10 minutes beforehand (laughs) you're you're uh, you uh, you sound right that that sounds like exactly what happened and i'm i'm very thankful they decided to go in that direction oh yeah absolutely so his (laughs) interference backfires and what it really reminds me of at this point is a Miz and Mizdow sort of feud. That it's was this cool. odd couple pairing. William Regal like takes himself way too seriously, doesn't want to be here, hates this guy, but has to be with this guy. You know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. very much that kind of vibe. Except like they don't really commit to it. This has been going on for a few weeks at this point. It's a pretty lower card feud. And the <clears throat> next week, he's got... He's got him in a different Lady Regal costume. (laughs) But the running gag, and this is to their credit, I think the people at WWE figured out, okay, the joke is not 
William Regal has to dress as a woman. The joke is William Regal has to put up with Paul Burchill and wear whatever he tells him to wear. Yeah. And that's way funnier. So he's got a lady costume on. Paul Burchill says, oh, yeah, this is this is funny, isn't it? Sort of like how it was funny when you laughed at me for dressing like a pirate. So he's just dunking on this guy. <laughs> he's already won. He's already got him dressed as a woman, a different woman costume. I don't know how many of them he has. But then Burchill says, actually, tonight, uh, he and Regal are going to be in a tag team. It's not going to be one-on-one because I, I think he doesn't want you know Regal to screw him over maybe. Right. Makes so they're going to work together. But listen, he's he's not a monster. He'll give him another costume. Um, how do you feel about being a teddy bear? <laughs> and from there, like the rest of the show, it's it's the match is fairly late in the show, but the show itself, the the main threadline is just Paul Burchill making William Regal try on different costumes for their match tonight. So he comes oh, out as my. a bear. He, he doesn't want to be a bear. He hates the bear. And Burchill says, okay, okay, okay. I'll give you something. I got something more serious for you. And, you know, William Regal is what makes all of this work. He's like, bloody time. Right. Let's go. Let's do it. Give me something good. And then he comes back out in the locker room and he's dressed as a chicken. And he's even more angry. He's, you know, if you. Of course. <laughs> he's got he's got no you can't title. have any wrestling angle for more than three weeks of someone putting on costumes and not have one be a chicken the chicken it's pretty good and again on the surface that might not sound that funny but regal just kills it yeah like if i hear one colonel sounders joke out of you i'm gonna punch you right in the mouth right there's no tail on this bloody thing you can see my selection box in the bum hole like it's just wow Fantastic. I can't recapture it, but it's definitely worth your time to go look up. She says, okay, okay, you don't want to be a chicken. That's fine. Last option. It's a gorilla. He's dressed <laughs> as a gorilla, which is your other yes! classic. Yeah. Your classic uh, bad wrestling costume. It's the worst gorilla costume I've ever seen. Like, it looks worse than Dusty's gorilla <laughs> all the way back in episode one. It's got what looks like like paper nipples on it. And the head is like two feet tall and just incredibly cartoony. At one point, Paul Birchall gives him like a little titty twister, like pinches the nipple. And William Regal's like, stop that! And rips the glove off because it's such a cheap costume. And then he goes, see, you broke the bloody glove off. It's what you've done. Like, it's it's terrible, but it's great. <laughs> so finally, the match begins. It's a tag match. It's like the co-main, you know, semi-main event, whatever. And this time... Regal again has its own separate entrance, and he's not a bear or a oh chicken. Oh my gosh, this costume is fantastic! <laughs> did you just look it up? Yes, I did. The head <laughs> is like—it's so tall, so tall. Oh man! <laughs> I went. Oh, here's that's the thing: great. it's like a they gorilla could've... with an afro. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like the worst gorilla costume I've ever seen, and that's, that's saying a lot. It's real bad. But ultimately. He doesn't make his way to the ring dressed up as a teddy bear or a chicken or a gorilla. He's just another pirate, <laughs> which is still pretty good. But, like, I feel like we really peaked with gorilla. We definitely And it's did. hard to come back from that. But, you know, it, again, they make their way to the ring. And I'm like, this works, right? This is over. The crowd is into it. And you have this fun dynamic between these two guys where he has to string William Regal along. William Regal has to wear whatever he tells him to wear. 
hate it the whole time, and it gets like it's gotten Paul Birchall over, and it continues to get William Regal over. Like this is a good dynamic, and I'm sitting here watching this, and I'm thinking, okay, this is good. Like, are they going to go on some sort of like Miz and Mizdow esque run where like the pirate tag team where one of them hates being a pirate goes on a run and like gets to the tag team titles? No, no, they get about halfway through this match, and Paul Birchall just leaves just walks off william regal gets the crap kicked out of him because it's a two-on-one match and then he gets pinned and loses um okay and immediately taz is like wait a minute so paul birchall's team lost the match like right doesn't that count I, evidently it does because they they don't do anything with this angle anymore with William Regal like they're just actually done like this was just Paul uh, Birchall's idea of revenge basically like he's just like I'm going to make you dress up two weeks uh, let you get beat up by someone else and then I'm done with you well that's it's fair it's right here's the thing like it it's not what I would have wanted to see I think they had a lot of potential for this to go on for longer But, like, the same way that they broke up as a tag team a few months before this, and it was, like, weirdly low-key, and I kind of like that, I kind of like this, too. Like, in character, it makes sense, because Paul Burchill did not want to be in a tag team with William Regal. That was kind of the entire point. So rather than drag this out for a few more weeks, and, like, Regal tried to cheat to beat him in the first match that this stipulation was a thing— Rather than let that drag out for week after week until eventually Regal got lucky and cost him a match, he just said, screw it. I'll just I'll cut it off right here, but I'm going to have Jim and I beat the crap out of you and then pin you. <laughs> and that'll be how I let you out of this. Like it, it's never really explained on air, but it makes sense. And I'm OK with it in a weird way. Yeah. And I'm OK with it because like people like this gimmick. That's kind of the, the thing I keep coming back to when I thought it. I was, you know, I I heard about the pirate Paul Virchel and I thought, okay, well, that sounds terrible because I know it was relatively modern and he was a pirate man. And this was clearly just an attempt by Vince McMahon and WWE to like cash in on Pirates of the Caribbean being a big thing. And it was probably terrible and everyone hated it and it never went anywhere. Sort of like a um, beaver cleavage situation. (laughs) But that's not what they did at all. Like they broke the fourth wall immediately. They yeah. made Paul Birchall, this guy who knows he's not a pirate, probably just started doing this as kind of a joke and has continued to do it because it needles his opponents so much that it gives him a real competitive advantage and it's fun to dress up like a pirate. Sure. And the crowd is into it because everyone, including the performer, is in on the joke. Like he knows he's not a pirate and it's fun. And literally like every time he makes his entrance – I didn't mention this, but like his music starts – and he looks right at the camera on top of the stage and, like, might as well wink. Like, hey, check it out. I'm doing the pirate thing. And then he swings onto the stage. Like, he literally starts every match and every segment by breaking the fourth wall and just being like, what's up? I'm the pirate guy. Every single time. And it's a great little touch. Like, this yeah. is a fun thing. So, you know, I mentioned he reminds me a little bit of somebody like Batista or John Cena. Like, you have to find, especially at this point in WWE history, you have to find – Something weird, something over the top. Run with that for a while, and then you gradually scale it back, right? Like John Cena is not still a rapper, but he wears colorful graphic t-shirts, and he still kind of talks trash like that, but he's more of a normal guy, right? 
You right. take those elements of your personality, your persona, and you graft it with your actual personality, and then you have a wrestling character. Yeah. Batista didn't quite do the same thing, but like when Batista, he, he kind of was like, "All right, here now you're in evolution. Boom, start." <laughs> right. Well, he had that faction, but he was Deacon Batista for a minute. Yeah, that was which, which is stupid. But like, yeah. you have to have something to get your foot in the door and just establish you as a presence. Well, guess what? Paul Burchill's got that. Yeah. And like the finisher's a little wonky and there's one or two things you could work on, but like this is something. And the the other wrestler he reminds me a lot of right now is actually like an early Triple H. Oh man. Triple H's yeah. name is Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yep. He was the Connecticut blue blood when he debuted, and his whole thing was I'm a really hoity toity aristocrat yep. who's better than you. Dressed in eighteen hundreds clothes and came yeah. out with a cane and yeah. yeah. Had had so- Sir had uh, Sir Alfred Hayes as his manager. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Incredibly stupid. But over enough Lord, time... Lord Alfred Hayes, sorry. Not so you're much. able to peel away the layers of that. And, you know, he, you know, DX certainly helps. But, you know, after a few years, you have Hunter Hearst Helmsley becomes Triple H. And the only real, like, relic of the Connecticut Blue Blood is the fact that his finisher is called the Pedigree. Right. Other than that, he's a completely different character, and he's gone from being this caricature to, like, a good pro-wrestling character. You know what I mean? You can see that evolution, and that's kind of what I see here. He reminds me a little bit of Drew McIntyre. Like, he could—it's not that hard to imagine them just kind of peeling the layers of this back so that, like, you can call him the Buccaneer Paul Burgel, and he's got, like, eyeliner and, like, necklaces and beads and, like, trinkets and stuff on— but you can just dial it back to the point where he's like a Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins-esque, like, scruffy badass. I can see this happening, especially if you find a faction to put him in or a feud or just something that lets him dial it back a little bit, right? There's there's a lot of potential here. And now he's gotten his, like, tag team breakup and feud over with. And it wasn't the conventional one, you know, where one betrays the other. But it still really worked. They broke up. Yeah. He started doing his own thing. They had a few matches. And then he won. So what happens next? What happens next is he oh fights boy. Mark Henry in a random throwaway match on SmackDown where Mark Henry is openly promoting the championship he's going to have at the next pay-per-view. So Mark Henry murders Paul Burchill. Yeah. Just beats him up, world's strongest slam, steps on him after the match is over, hits him with another slam. Paul Burchill is stretchered off of SmackDown and never seen again. Um, and when I say never seen again, I mean like the fun version, like the, the pirate Paul uh, Burchill. I was, I was about to say, there, about. there's a very different Paul Burchill. That, um... Oh, yeah, this might be a beaver cleavage sort of situation where I come back to that because I just wanted yeah. to focus on the pirate this week. But there's that, some other stuff that happens. There, there, <laughs> there, yes, yes, there is. Yes, yes, there is. So... Everything about this from this point on, like, this is bad. The only good thing that happened in this match is somebody in the crowd had a sign that said SeaWorld wants Mark Henry back. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, That's that was good. good. That's well. The rest of it sucks. He literally just – you have this fun, colorful undercard character. Uh, Mark Henry kills him, derails all his momentum, and then says, That's right, Kurt Angle at Judgment Day. You're going to get some of this. Like, he's not even his own thing. He's yeah. just a stepping stone for the main event feud. And, like – even if, if he lost and just came back out the next week and, like, continued to be, like, a lower mid-card guy and just kind of continue to feud with people and work on that character and, you know, sort of start to slowly peel it away, 
then that could have worked. But you remember what you said about Vince McMahon earlier and how he's oh, yeah. like the dumbest, smartest man oh, yeah. to ever live? When oh, I yeah. heard of the pirate Paul Burchill, which I kind of knew existed fairly early in my wrestling fandom, I thought, oh, man, that's really terrible. Because what clearly happened was Vince McMahon said, oh, pirates are really big right now. Let's have a pirate man. Sure. And, you know, like I said, I didn't know that the character was tongue-in-cheek. I didn't know that the wrestler himself was in on the joke. I thought it was just a straight-faced, arg, I'm a pirate, me hearties kind of character. And I thought, wow, that's really stupid. The reason that Pirate Paul Burchill got annihilated and stretchered off of SmackDown and was never seen again is because – and I had to quote this from the Wikipedia page because I genuinely couldn't believe it, and I just want you to know – exactly what happened here and i quote this time away from the ring was also used to develop a new gimmick to replace his pirate character on his return this was allegedly done because vince mcmahon who reportedly was not aware of the pirates of the caribbean films and johnny depp's pirate character believed that the character should have thought he was an actual pirate You know what would be even funnier <laughs> is if, and I would believe this, is if Vince McMahon, again, didn't have, somehow didn't know about something mm-hmm. and legitimately was confused with the fact that Paul Burchill wasn't an actual pirate. And I would believe that if that was the case. And he's like, what? He's not a pirate? He, he doesn't think he's a pirate? Oh, okay, well, then he can't be that anymore. I would yeah. buy that. I would buy Dude. Vince McMahon thinking that. It's just, it's incredible to me. And it's the most, like, there's a hundred variations of this story, but it's just so Vince McMahon to take this really clever, like, sort of wink and a nod, fourth wall breaking, silly, but the potential to be fun character and say, no, 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 no. He needs to actually think he's a pirate. Because that's funnier. Because that's better. And he didn't think the crowd would like it, even though the crowd is making pirate signs every week. That's the and most like, amazing thing with Vince McMahon. That, I don't it understand truly, it. It truly is. Um, th- that part, like where he's like, oh, this isn't going to work. When, when something's already working. It's working. I know. It's like Rusev Day. That's or the history Zach of Ryder freaking or... Vince McMahon. It's like yes, in his mind, nothing can work that he did not come up with, and 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 it doesn't even matter if it is working. He's just in this deniability, this deniable phase where no, it it can't work. I we didn't come up with it, or something, or we didn't get this over. We didn't push this, so therefore right. it can't be over. This is what I've never understood. If you think like if the argument were, oh, well, it can't. It's just a fad, you know, and let's leave the audience wanting more and we don't want it to run out of steam. Why not? Just keep going with it and see how long it'll last. That's but always right. the way wrestling works. He only does that with stuff that he made up. Yep. And then it's, you know, it's Roman Reigns and Hulkamania for 10,000 years. Yeah. Whether people like it or not. But when people are like, hey, I like this guy who, you know, kind of just enjoys being fun and cutthroat and dressing up as a pirate. The whole thing, the entire character they had for him when he debuted was he's a hooligan who likes to start fights. Right. Isn't that what a pirate is? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. 
it's so easy to take this caricature, ah, I dress up like a pirate and I can wear a big coat and swing on a rope and it's fun and steer that back into Wade Barrett 1.0, like just this big British hoss who likes to fight. You can do that. And they didn't. They were like, what? He doesn't actually believe he's a time traveling pirate. That doesn't make any sense. Get him off my TV. We'll come up with something better. Oh, maybe they did. did I don't know. Who's to say? Maybe we'll talk about that some other week. Who knows? Boy, did they. Boy. Uh, Um, But it's fun. It's fun to watch for the run he had. And I think part of the reason like that he might not have gone anywhere and, you know, the comparisons to Triple H and Batista might not have been fair is the reason this works is William Regal. And that's not to knock Paul Burchill. It's just to say he was kind of just playing the straight man and William Regal was the one freaking out all the time. And that's what William Regal does very well. And that's why the crowd got over. And, you know, that's why it works. Sure. So maybe, you know, maybe it it wouldn't have panned out long term because he didn't have the charisma to do it. But I think he should have gotten the chance to find out. Yeah. Either way, William Regal's a treasure. Go watch this angle just for him (laughs) because he kills it. It's fantastic. Yeah. The this like early the first i don't know five five six seven years of william regal in wwe in the early 2000s is just fantastic he really is he is fantastic oh man well that was fun i had fun fun. watching it i really did and i'm proud like it turned out to be exactly what i always thought it was but the fact that they tried to make it work and tried to make it a little bit of a fourth wall breaking, like self-aware angle, I do really respect. You don't see that a lot because Vince McMahon no. hates it and doesn't understand it. Right. But it's done very well here. Credit to them. No, that's that's fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that was great. So uh, thanks a lot for listening, everyone, to this episode of Behind the Gorilla. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at behind underscore gorilla also instagram at behind underscore gorilla and uh you can also follow me on twitter at marky mark brand and i'm at harris wilson so do that as well posting updates random thoughts live tweeting aew and a bunch of stuff like that on the on the twitter on the twitter feed and then randomly you'll see like a tweet show up about bailey that's not me that's that's the only time harris tweets (laughs) So, ju- just, pretty much. Just so you guys know, if there's any tweet about Bailey, that is Harris as he still complains about Bailey jackets being too expensive, which is still mo- blows my mind. But, it's uh, not so much complaining that they're expensive <laughs> as somebody who has a Bailey jacket, not even it's a size small by the way, not even my size, thinking they can sell it for two hundred dollars. <laughs> even I'm not paying you two hundred dollars for a Bailey jacket. Sir. And Harris it's is not... the only one who would even consider paying you two hundred dollars for a uh, a Bailey jacket. So you That's know it's I'm overpriced. Saying. That's what I'm saying, and I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't. So get over yourselves i'm gonna get one eventually and by the way when i do i'm not gonna tell you you're just gonna come over for the next show and i'm gonna be wearing it so you'll never know until i have one uh that's a good point oh man anyway thanks for listening to our podcast thanks so much for listening to the show everyone um if there's a crazy wrestling topic we haven't covered yet and there's uh, we've covered a lot um Go back and check check those out. But if there's one you haven't heard us listen, uh, heard us uh, talk about yet, let us know. Tweet us at behind underscore gorilla, and we'd love yeah. to uh, we'd love to accommodate you on that. 
Alright guys, we'll be back next week with another crazy, ridiculous wrestling history topic. And, uh, yeah, we got it. Now I got a top freaking pirate, pirate man. That'll be, that'll be tough. But we'll, we'll come up with something. Alright, thanks a lot guys, and we will talk to you next week.